Thanks, Terry and Adri. Miss you guys. <laughs> Good morning, loves. Uh, my name is Nelson. Uh, I am at our ministry space at Alexander Center. And uh, as I went by Japanese Hall this morning, I had to breathe another heavy sigh. Uh, um, just longing to be in that space with you all, but I'm genuinely grateful for the chance to be together in this way. And it's been, as always, a gift to scroll through a little bit and see some faces. So uh, what I want to share with you all this morning is not what I've spent most of my week preparing. Uh, as of yesterday afternoon, I had a sermon half ready to go. Uh, it's one that I was excited about and one that I hope to finish <laughs> and offer sometime, hopefully later this month. But it felt important to make a change for reasons that will make sense very soon. So yesterday was the annual convention of the BC Mennonite Brethren denomination, uh, or the MBs. I'm getting a serious no vote from the McTaggart family, which is really encouraging as, as I'm one, <laughs> one minute into my sermon. <laughs> it's like, don't, is that the Holy Spirit? Like saying, this is a bad call, Nelson. You, you shouldn't have made a change. It's just like, what is going on? Oh, it's just so, oh, just love now. Thank you. Oh man, just wanted to clear that up. So yesterday, was the annual convention of the BC Mennonite Brethren Denomination, or the MBs. And this uh, convention happened on Zoom. Uh, Artisan Church has been part of the MBs since we started. We're, we're 11 and a half years old as a church. And um, however, the, the third way posture that we recently adopted with regard to the inclusion of our LGBTQ plus siblings uh, placed us outside the MB Confession of Faith. So when we realized this, our leadership agreed to formally request a release from membership within the MBs. And so that vote formally happened yesterday and it passed. Uh, and so Artisan is no longer part of the MB denomination. Uh, Chelsea and Peter from our lead team, as well as Danny and I were present and uh, it was quite a day to say the least. Um, Part of this untethering from the MBs means that I've surrendered my credentials as an MB pastor. Uh, and a handful of you know that about a month ago, I had something called a, a goodbye meeting with uh, a few people who, who represented the pastoral ministries committee. Um, and the agenda for this goodbye was to exchange gratitude for the years of mutual connection within the MB world. So it was another Zoom meeting, as you might've guessed, and I invited my uh, staff colleagues and Peter Mogan as moderator to uh, attend that meeting with me. So uh, today to, to mark the moment that we're in as a church, I wanted to share with you what I shared at that goodbye meeting. And I wanna share that with you for a few reasons. One um, is to share as one of your pastors, just from the heart space that I'm presently in, I wanna practice being known and to, in some way, allow um, us as a wider community to feel both the sadness and the gratitude of this moment so we can move forward with Jesus together. And if I could get through it, um, I want to reflect briefly on how this meets up or links up with the third way series that we're in. So uh, here's what I said at that meeting on March 29. 
So if you can picture another Zoom call, not hard to imagine because that's what we're on, but uh, imagine the rest of the staff team with me and about four or five people from uh, the Pastoral Ministries Committee. I just, I think it's important to say that the, the folks that were on this committee are not really sort of the, the folks that I'm closest to within the Mennonite Brother denomination. So it was a bit of a strange kind of environment. It was formal, but, and it needed to happen. But so here's what I said. I told them I first need to say, this is a strange event. In the days leading up to now, I've been aware of a whole bunch of different emotions and it's hard to know which ones will show up in this moment. And I won't apologize for whatever happens. I'm not afraid of emotion. I just wanted you to be aware. So brackets, I said that to them. I'm also saying it to you just to be super clear. So I said, I'm gonna stick with the theme of our mutually agreed upon agenda for this meeting to name and exchange gratitude. I have a lot of that for the MB tribe in BC, in Canada and around the world. There is much to be grateful for, too much to name in a single meeting. I have no doubt that there are concentric circles of memory that I'll be unpacking probably as long as I live. After all, I've spent nearly half a century with you all. I turned 50 this year, but I'll do my best to recount it all in broad strokes. I was born and raised in the Mennonite Brethren Church. If, uh, if you've been part of the MBs for a while, you're probably familiar with my last name, Boschman. Chances are good that you've heard of my father, Merv, my uncle, Ed, or my grandfather, Rudy. Each of them have been well-known and respected MB pastors and leaders. You may also have heard of my other uncle, the one on my mother, Carol's side, Vic Weens, who remains an integral part of the international mission work of the MB family. Given all this, there's been a big part of me that simply assumed I would always be MB. We use different language for what the MBs are, a denomination, a conference, a tribe, uh, a family of churches mutually surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. All of these images convey truth, but no single one is adequate to name the whole of who we are and what we are, kind of like the atonement, right? If we stick with family though for a moment, I'll just say it's weird and painful to ask to leave your family. This, after all, has been the family that from day one helped shape me as a disciple of Jesus, as a pastor, and a professor. So, going back to the beginning, I'm, I'm grateful to have opportunity to attend Columbia Bible Camp, which is now Stillwood, where we've had our church retreats in recent years. In the early 70s, my dad was program director. I still remember zipping around the sidewalks, riding my big wheel. If you don't know what a big wheel is, Google that thing. I remember the campfire. I remember the songs. I remember the hippie Jesus people counselors, long hair and bell bottom jeans. I remember playing in the field in the sense that this was a good place and that these were good people. I'm grateful that I got to be part of the beginnings of Northview Church in Abbotsford in the early 80s when we met in the auditorium of Mennonite Educational Institute. I remember my dad starting this thing where if we as kids filled in the blanks on a half page sermon outline and we handed them in, 
we would get our name in the church bulletin the next week. Name in church bulletin. This was a big deal. We were called Children's Listeners of the Week. Children's Listeners of the Week. Looking back, I appreciated my dad's heart to engage the younger generation, to treat children not as future participants in the life of the church, but as people we regard as fully part of us and integral to our shared life now. Quick sidebar, this perspective, of course, is something Terry and our kids men team members have worked hard to continue to embody and teach, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful to have attended the aforementioned Mennonite Educational Institute, or MEI, to have played basketball and volleyball for the Eagles, and trombone for Larry Nickel, in whose classroom I first heard the music of the Beatles, Miles Davis, and under whose tutelage the first sparks of my love for jazz were kindled. I'm grateful to have had Don Fraze as my youth pastor at Forest Grove Church in Saskatoon, where Willie Reimer was the college and career pastor at the time. Don and his wife, Una, were some of the first people I've had in my life that I'd consider mentors. We're still in touch today as life allows. I'm grateful to have been part of Youth Mission International in both 1988 and 91 to have been further mentored and discipled by Randy Friesen and Gareth Goosen and all my other team leaders for all the relationships forged during those incredible summers. I'm grateful to have attended both Bethany Bible Institute and Columbia Bible College as a student. I'm grateful a short while later then to have opportunity to work at Columbia first as an admissions counselor and in the admissions counselor role, I led a music drama ministry team called Sold Out. And we toured across uh, Canada once. We toured in Cascadia a number of times, three or four years. And a short while later, as a uh, professor uh, of worship arts. So Columbia Bible College for me, I was three years admissions counselor and then um, 11 years on faculty as a, in the worship arts. So Columbia Bible College for me was a rich, uh, diverse, dynamic setting. I loved the chance to read and study, to write lectures, to shape creative classroom experiences, to plan and lead chapels with students, to learn, to grow, to worship alongside students and colleagues alike. And while I love the classroom and the chapel, some of my favorite moments were at Starbucks with a student or a colleague just unpacking spiritual theological ideas or simply sharing life. And so I remain grateful to my many colleagues who honored me with their curiosity about me, this young whippersnapper at the time, 26, 27 years old. And they listened to me, you challenged me, they collaborated with me and ultimately trusted me with the mantle of teaching and leadership in that setting. I wanna name a few fellow faculty, staff and sessional colleagues whose friendships were particularly formative for me. Janet Bolt, Galen Voth, Tony Funk, Megan Huckabee, Ken Esau, Gareth Brandt, Michael Zook, David Workington, Ron Voth, John Voice, Irv Clausen, and John Schmidt. I'm grateful for our church experiences at Fraser Heights, North Langley, Bakerview, and Mountain Park, where I had many opportunities to serve through worship leading and even a bit of preaching. 
I'm grateful to have been invited to serve on the BCMB Worship Commission for a season with my pals Andrew Dick, Paul Enns, and Ryan Dahl. Also to lead worship at various conventions and conferences over the years. The annual Pastors and Spouses Retreat was probably my favorite setting in which to lead worship because pastors tend to be really easy to lead. There are exceptions to this rule, but pastors are often the ones who sing the loudest and lift their hands the highest. <laughs> so really easy worship leading gig, as it were. I'm grateful for the opportunity to plant Artisan Church. I'm grateful to the C2C network and its leadership for taking a chance on this unorthodox combination of Nelson Boschman and Lance Odegaard. I'm grateful for the high support, the high challenge and generous resourcing and mentorship we consistently received. And I'm grateful we're still here after 11 and a half years. And I'm grateful to be charting a path forward with the incredible group of leaders that has arisen within our ranks. Peter, Scott, Terry, Danny, and Rebecca, I love you all. And here, I'll add the rest of the lead team who weren't at the meeting. Blythe, Chelsea, Scott, and Paul, I love you too. Pause. Um, so if you hear the story, it's like there are few corners of my life that haven't been touched in some way by my connection to my experience within the MB world. I'm grateful for all these experiences. And at this point, I have few, if any, regrets. The MB family has made an indelible imprint on my life. And I want to honor you as leaders for facilitating an environment where I could both be shaped and play a part in shaping others. These memories will always be with me and will continue to shape who am I, who am I becoming, who I am becoming, even as we part ways. My allegiance and loyalty to the MB family has been deep and strong for several decades and the MBs have been faithful to me as well. But there are other deeper, wider, broader allegiances that I'm coming to feel more all the time. One is to the family that consists of everyone who calls Jesus Lord, who consider the word made flesh to be their ultimate authority and seek to practice his way and be his embodiment in the world. I've got allegiance to that family. Another is the wider human family. Every human person on the planet made in the image of the divine and called very good, bruised by sin, yet no less deeply and completely loved as they are without condition or reservation by the Christ who shows us most clearly and completely what God is like. Got an allegiance to that family. And still another is my own immediate family. My dear wife, Terry of 23 years, my daughter, Adri, who's five. I have allegiance to that family. I didn't say this in the meeting, but I also just wanna name the family of downtown Eastside churches and the church in the city. Um, I feel ever more increasing sort of drawn to partner with and to link arms with. It's crazy how all these different circles of connection and relationship demand time, energy, capacity. And so there's a gift perhaps in uh, being a little bit more freed up to lean into these other connections. 
So until now, I've been able to hold these family allegiances together. They've not been at odds. Just like in a normal, healthy, functioning human family, it's been okay not to see eye to eye on everything, yet still maintain the bonds of relationship. But we've arrived at a moment where a particular point of disagreement has led us to the place where an ending has been deemed necessary. For what it's worth to you as one particular body of leaders within the wider family, I've counted the cost of this possible ending for a long while, as much as one can, I feel, before actually walking through it. Depending on the moment, different words have surfaced within me to describe what that's been like. Sad, uh, hard, unfortunate, frustrating, wish it could be different. Even so, there is an unshakable settledness within me that this is the right decision for this time and for where we are in this conversation at this time, for me, for BCMB, for the other families I mentioned and for Artisan. And of course, while this is an ending, in other ways, it's also a beginning. And it's a messy middle, which of course is where the gift of Jesus among us becomes flesh in ever new ways. More than ever, I'm aware that my heart, mind, and body need to be present here on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Peoples, imperfectly shepherding our community, continuing in loving, faithful pursuit of the one who loved us from the first, who holds all things together, is making everything new, and from whose love nothing can separate us. A scripture I'd like to share. And I'll tell you that Jalen gave me this scripture the morning of that meeting. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I've put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. I love you, MB fam. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May God turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. So that's the end of what I said to them. I want to just take a, a, a brief moment to catch my own breath for us to be still together, to allow to emerge whatever's emerging within you and just to briefly be with it. And then I'm going to come back for a short preach. So a little pause. You guys okay? All right, you too. Uh, um, so in John 17, there's a, there's a different sort of goodbye meeting taking place. Jesus is speaking to his disciples for the last time before he will be crucified. And he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. 
I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Uh, last words are important. There's a, there's a gravity to them that I, I think we got to pay attention to. And as Jesus offers his prayer, it seems pretty crystal clear to me that the unity of the church is not an optional extra. Unity is not a, you know, nice to have, but at the end of the day, it's not completely essential. According to Jesus, in this prayer, unity is paramount. It's what he explicitly asks the Father for, that those who follow Christ would be one. One heart, one mind, that they would be woven together in a unity that does not depend on agreement in all things, but on a shared commitment to the way of Jesus. And to agree to love and bless each other when we do inevitably disagree. The unity Jesus desires for his church is the essence of the third way we are seeking to walk out as a community of faith. So a big part of the sadness of our untethering from the MVs is that as Peter Mogan put it so well yesterday, right before the vote, he said that this is not a unity moment. Verse 23, one more time. I and them you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. In my story, I mentioned missions trips and the planting of artisan was driven by a deep desire to join God in God's mission of the renewal of all things. MBs have always had a heart to share the good news we've received. This has been a huge emphasis historically. And a big part of yesterday's convention, yet again, was to rally enthusiasm and commitment around evangelism and mission. At no point did anyone mention the unity of the church as a key ingredient for successful mission in the world. How will the world know that Jesus was sent to incarnate the divine when we're completely one. It seems to me that Jesus sees unity, not just as the key ingredient for mission. It's nothing less than the silver bullet of the missional impulse. I can't help wonder what would happen if we all took Jesus prayer seriously enough to stop treating the unity of the church as an optional extra. It's a guy called Dante Stewart, who you should all go out and follow on Instagram if you're on it, said this today. The more I learn about our Christian faith and immerse myself in the theological world, I realize so many of the arguments and supposed dangers were more about maintaining power and creating enemies than they were about loving God and loving our neighbors. Theology becomes a danger itself when it's more about proving and winning than it is about embracing and exploring. A few days ago, my friend Ken Tanner said this, if the human story continues another 8,000 years, when humans look back to our time, they will talk about the last 2,000 years as the beginning of Christianity. What if, contra so much speculation of the last century and more, the gospel is just starting to convert the world? 
enabled by the spirit, what are we doing today to lay the groundwork for human thriving, ecological stability, and the future of human culture in imitation of our crucified human God in the third and fourth millenniums, and even beyond that? How would such a disposition change us? Yeah, what a great question. I'm just becoming more convinced all the time that Jesus wants to lead us into unity, which means less power maintaining and enemy creating and more loving of God and our neighbor, less proving and winning and more embracing and exploring, less concern about the minutia of people's beliefs and more conviction that what matters is faith expressing itself in love, as Paul says it in one of his letters. So friends, with regard to our relationship to the MBs, this is not a unity moment. It needs to be named and marked and lamented. I believe God's heart is grieved by this. But I also believe God is leading us beyond the present moment into a unity movement. It's not a unity moment, but what if it's a unity movement? With Jesus at its center, empowered by the spirit, this is what I want to give myself to in the coming days and months and years. Who else wants it? May God help us. Friends, thank you for, <laughs> you didn't have much choice, but you have held space uh, for my story today. And it's our story as well. It's not really a sermon, more of a share <laughs> with a bit of a preach at the end. I'm going to ask Peter. Uh, Mogan to come to unmute for just a brief response and just to pray for us and then I'm going to come back and lead us through the table liturgy and we'll continue in our gathering.